Aloha and welcome to Stringer Podcast number 10. Double digits now. Get me a party hat and let's bake us some cake. Because any reason is a good reason for a cake. On this week is a dear, dear friend of mine. You can find her on NBA TV Canada. You can see her on the big screen at every Raptors home game and hosting events all around the city. It's Catherine Stefankovic. Now it's confession time though. Remember a couple weeks back with the Mike on Much guys, how we had some audio issues? Well, the audio bug bit again. We held microphones the whole time. We had everything running the whole time, but the computer decided it wanted to record us through the laptop mic. So I apologize to that. I apologize to Cash. But when you listen through, you realize we're going to have her back on anyway, and we'll do it right then. Before we get to that... I'm on vacation this week. Can you believe it? I found a little hole in my schedule and decided to make like a leaf and get out of Dodge. So for this week's Big Stringer Weekend, I'm doing it Hawaii style. Big Island of Hawaii, to be exact, for the, you know, no people that's listening to this in Hawaii. Friday night, you got the Big Island Park and Grinds. Now, if you're like me, you see the name Park and Grinds and you're thinking, this could be a pretty wicked dance festival. Well, you're going to be in for a treat. No dancing. But what's the one thing I love more than dancing? Food. The Big Island Park and Grinds is a food truck festival happening in Hilo. They provide unique and local flavors to fill your tum-tum. And then Saturday, you can head over to Tommy Bahama. That's 1330 Monolani Drive. I shit you not, I was here two years ago with actually this week's guest, Cash, and we went to Tommy Bahama, and by the end of the night, we were running the DJ station. I'm not kidding. We had total control of the party. It's a great night out. And then Sunday, if you're not too exhausted, you can't go to Hawaii and not go to the Legends of Hawaii Luau. That happens at the Hilton Waikoloa Village. Went there again two years ago. The food is great. The dancers are unbelievable. And we even had a friend pulled up on stage. Yeah, these things could happen. So if you just happen to be in Hawaii for the weekend, you know, fill your weekend up. Maybe you're going to catch me hanging around the food trucks or taking over the DJ booth again at Tommy Bahama. But now, without further ado, no more waiting. We bring you Stringer Podcast Episode 10 with Catherine Stefankovic. I again am sorry about the audio issues, but you're going to get three minutes in. You're going to love the conversation and forget the audio issues are even there. Just one last thing. Very, very, very important. Cue up that sax. I have apple juice. I think I have hypoglycemia issues where I, I, I can really feel when my sugar's crashing. And then that's why you don't nutrate. I don't. I don't nutrate myself. <laughs> nutrate yourself. <laughs> I don't nutrate myself. Ever. I'm trying to catch myself. That's good. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> but it's true. Oh, did I not put? I didn't do that. I do not nutrate. I do not nutrate myself well. What do you think of my bubble vest? I loved it. I saw it on uh, Insta, bad, Snap, eh? Snap Story, Snapstagram. IG Stories. I've been told. 
Are you nervous? I am a little bit nervous. Why? Which is odd because I never have to be professional around you. <laughs> right? There's never a... Uh, professional. Well, this isn't that professional, but I have to go somewhere with the conversation. And the art of what we've always had is the fact that we've never had to go anywhere with our conversation. Mm-hmm. That it's honestly well, so often be, in the moment. It'll be interesting for me too because as someone that asks the questions, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll be doing that too. That you're going to lead me and then I'll lead you. I won't lead you. It'll be this weird dance where we have two leaders. Yeah, you just led. (laughs) It was a dark and stormy night sometime in the 80s. It probably looked like a lot like the beginning to a Stranger Things episode. And out comes little Cash into the world. (laughs) It was actually a really, really snowy day. Was it really? Yeah. That's the thing with March, March 21st. It's unpredictable. Completely. Having birthday parties growing up. Some years we were in shorts and t-shirts and it was 30 degrees out and Mm -hmm. some years it was minus 10 and just covered in snow. Just crummy. Yeah. What is the, what's like the March sign? I know, I know ours, I'm an Aries. Yeah. But you, yeah, but you fall right on the line. Oh, on the cusp. What's the other one? Pisces. Pisces. Literally the first day of the Zodiac is March 21st. No way. So because of the timing of when I was born, and half yep. Pisces, half, half Aries, which, if anybody follows mm-hmm. um, the Zodiac and, and uh, the characteristics of the signs, I'm definitely half and half. So where does that fit in? How do you see it? Mm-hmm. How do you see it play? Okay, so I know enough about Aries only because I am one. Yeah. I know nothing about the other signs, the Zodiac. So tell me uh, about Pisces. I don't know a ton about Pisces. I just know that Aries is like a fire in your face, get shit done kind of like <laughs> sign. In the nicest possible way. Yeah. We mean, <laughs> Bullheaded. We, yeah. Stubborn. Um, and Pisces is just like that calm or soothing, like have that calm or soothing air about them. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Don't you think that's like half and half? Yeah, I'm going to be blunt. The calm part? I don't know. The opposite. I don't, oh. I don't see the stubbornness as I see it in myself. Hmm. I see the fire. I see the, that excitement, that willingness to grow and excel and exceed and to push limits and push boundaries, okay. which is, I think, definitely an Aries trait. Yes. I don't see the stubbornness in you. I see the calmness that everything, like in every conversation, it always comes around to, I'm just trying to live in the moment. I'm trying to appreciate what's now, Completely. not get anxious about what's in the that's future. A, that's calm? Like a the, calm to me, that's moment. calm yeah. because okay. I'm the exact opposite. My brain will say, no, 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 you have to plan for today and then plan for tomorrow. And if you don't plan for tomorrow, you can't plan for the end of the week. If you don't plan for the end of the week, what are you going to do in December? And if you don't plan for December, 2018 is going to be a write-off, <laughs> yeah. even though it's next year. And then yeah. before you know it, you're going to be 40 See, that's- and you'll have accomplished nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a diff- definitely a little bit lighter when it, like, looser when it comes to that, the, the, the planning and stuff. But I'm definitely stubborn. Ask my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Stabankovich joins the podcast. Cat, Kasha, Cash. I answer to it all. You answer to it all. You've yeah. always been Cash to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just where we met uh, eight years ago, I think now. And we always had that, even though I think... As a performer, you're a Catherine at the time. Yeah. And then you kind of came back into Cat. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Cat, I consider it like a stage name, but it's also came from somewhere, which was a nickname. Right. Way back to high school. And then I guess I did start in the industry as Catherine. You were, totally. And I've then, seen things with Catherine yeah, Stefankovich. Yeah, so Catherine Stefankovich turned into Cat just to kind of like, well, it was either short <laughs> my first name, yeah, 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 yeah. be real. <laughs> So that, yeah, so it did turn into cat and 
But like when I introduce myself to people, it's, it's kind of confusing. I say, hi, I'm Catherine. Do you really? Yeah. Like depending on the moment. Cause if I'm just go like out of, out of friend's house, mm-hmm. like, and again, I was thinking about this the other day because I really don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Cause like if I meet somebody new, some days it's Catherine and some it's cat. If there's people around that I'm hanging out with that already call me cat. Right. So anyways, it's usually Catherine and then Kasha is Catherine in Polish and my parents and any close friends. And it's family. Cash, it's yeah, Cash, Kasha. It's funny though, because for me, we work in, we don't really work together, but we work in the same environment mm-hmm. and I don't even have to think because when I spit it out, it's Cat. I'm like, oh, have you met Cat yet? Have you, have you yeah. worked with Cat yet? Oh, were the two of you working on this thing? It's so automatic because it's. It's you in a work setting. Is this one person, and then you, and everything else I'm we do. An identity crisis, right? Like, I don't. What, what's my name? <laughs> no, it's Ugh. not that bad. If you were to shorten your last name, what would it end up being? I don't know. Definitely not Stevens. No. Oh, oh family, Stevens. No, 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 no. Interesting. Um, when my family used to order pizza, like growing up, yeah, my, it was Stevens. Like, can I get your last name, Stevens? Because Stefanovic was done. Yeah. They mess it up seven times from Sunday. Days. I don't know when I had to learn to spell it or why I ever had to learn to spell it, but I've known, oh, I don't even want you to test me, but I've known like- I was just going to, but I- <laughs> So, okay, you want to try this? S T E F A N K I E W I C Z. Correct. Which I don't, it's just, I had to learn at some point. Was I writing your name on like Why is it that resumes? Like- I don't. It's, it's not. It's letters. It's it's only there's the, worse out there. Oh, I basically have thirteen level letters in my first and last name combined. <laughs> Actually, in grade one, like for the longest time, I had to pull up my ruler to copy, copy off the back my of last it. Name <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. It's interesting how names affect people or almost create your identity mm-hmm. when you're at such a young age. Like when you're, you're between the ages of let's say five when you enter kindergarten or six when it's. Mm-hmm grade one, uh, all the way through, I guess the end of elementary school for me, which I would have been about 12 years old, there was always like four mats in the class. So you have mat A, mat R, oh, mat so P, right? There's, yeah. right? So there's always several mats. Rob's we had a lot of, Mike's we had a lot of. For girls in our class, Brittany's, I think we had a couple. Ashley was popular. Ashley, Michelle. Yeah, Michelle. But someone became like Matt P. <laughs> yeah. That was his name wasn't Matt or Matthew anymore. Yeah, his name to everyone was Matt P. Yeah. And you just knew him as Matt P. But <laughs> what what happens is you have this you become acutely aware whether you stand out or fit in. Yeah. Right? Whether you are of a norm of that generation or not. And I bet you there's pros and cons to both of it. Do you wish you were a Matt S? No, I love being Clay. You love being the only Clay. I love being the only Clay. The only, I never met another Clayton until I was uh, in my late teens, I think. Well, it's funny because I went into grade one as Kasha and I told mama that I didn't want to be Kasha anymore. <laughs> I wanted to be normal. I, yeah. Uh, like and five years I old? Regret, like I don't regret it. Like mom. it is what it is, but... Yeah, you know, it was like really different. Think about it. Kasha Stefan Kevich. That's that's a, that's heavy. That's heavy, yeah. And Try getting your teachers. <laughs> I couldn't get teachers to spell my name correctly. Yeah. Wild. Like, Clayton. How do you spell Clayton? C L A Y T O N? No why. How do you spell it? No why. They always left out the Y. Clatton? Clatton. And I'd repeat it back I to them. Call you that now. And that legit was the start, I think, of my rebellion against authority. Mm-hmm. which has now lasted mm-hmm. is when I felt as a young age that I could correct the teacher yeah. and I could be like, no, no, no. 
It's Clatten you wrote on the board. I have a Y in my name. That's why I didn't put it in my hand when you called me. Right? <laughs> I'm not, I remember in high school as cell phones were becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And I had that moment where teachers – so when only maybe three, four kids in your class or any given class in high school have a cell phone, they were outlawed. They were yeah. – you know, they didn't want you playing Snake on your little Nokia <laughs> – or texting during class because first of all, no one could turn off the sounds and so it was loud as can be. Second of all, you were distracted. And so I remember my math teacher demanding that I hand over my phone and the rule for me getting a phone was that I had to pay for it myself. Right. My you parents- were, So you were the cool kid in class. Clatton? Clatton. <laughs> Clatton with the cellular phone. <laughs> I was basically Zach Morris, comb yeah. over and all. And I remember the moment where the teacher's like, you have to give me your phone. And this was something that I was paying, had paid for and was paying for. And I was like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. No, this is mine. He's like, no, you have to give it to me. I'll call your parents. And I said, go ahead. I'm not giving you my phone. And I put it in my pocket. And what are they going to do at that point? What, as a teacher, what are you going to do? Cash, I demand you give me your jacket. And you're like, no. No. It's my jacket. <laughs> you can't have it. There's this realize that what you realize, yeah. it's kind of like the balance of power evening out. Yeah, completely. Was I in the wrong? I want the analysis. I can see it in your face. Tell me how, tell me how 16 year old Clayton was definitely in the wrong. In the wrong? Mm-hmm. No, it's more of just respect for your higher ups. That's how I see it. But at the same time, I mean, you weren't following the rules. The rules were to not use your phone. It's true. Right? It's true. Where do you think respect for authority comes from? I mean, that's all I knew growing up and that's the influence of my parents and my grandparents and you know, who I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it for me came from dance too. Work ethic came from dance. Respecting your higher ups came from mm-hmm. dance. Um, it's just how it was in that ballet room. Mm-hmm. Like you just, there, you just respected your teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just interesting to me. That's something that's hard for me to, when I think about it now, because it's really changed a little bit and it, and it changed while I was teaching too, where it started that way. And then all of a sudden, Kids don't necessarily <clears throat> respect their their elders. And I find it tough in a creative world because we're almost, I don't want to say judged on, but we're counted on to give the best ideas and throw them all forward, which means you almost have to look yeah, at each other yeah, with like equality, yeah, yeah. right? Like you have to all be on an evil playing, uh, equal playing field mm-hmm. because if you give something as your role and I give something as my role and someone else gives something as their role, mm-hmm. we're actually just fighting for the best idea. We're not fighting for it, but we're, we're trying to find the best idea. But maybe the enemy of creativity is ego because soon as ego gets involved, Ooh, we're getting deep here. Then you kind of start hoarding. I'm a visual learner. So like I'm staring off to the side right now, trying to like put Picture all those it. words like, yeah, in a bubble. Right. So you have creativity and, and, I think in our role, all we want to do is achieve the greatest. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care if you present like the everybody gr- or as, cr- as a creative as a, as a creative force. Yeah. I think yeah. you get in there and you want to collaborate oh, because yeah. all you want is the greatest idea mm-hmm. to come out of it. Mm-hmm. But the and only it's so rewarding when it does. Exactly. Like and you don't care who brought it to like, the okay, table. I can go home. I can go to bed now and feel satisfied and try and do this all again tomorrow. And the craziest thing about creativity or collaboration rather is that 
it never really ends up being one person's idea because you throw something in the pile and that makes me think of something. So I add to it and then everyone in the circle adds and adds and adds and adds and adds. And then you have like this megazord, like you have a super monster. Well, and it's wonderful when everybody around that table gets a high from it too, right? Completely. Because it's just like you keep feeding that. You're buzzing. Feeding, feeding. Yeah. I live for that every day. But that's why I say the enemy of it is ego. Because when the ego is inserted, then you want one of two things, either to keep the best ideas to yourself. Yeah. Or okay. insist that your idea goes to the top, yep. regardless of what other people and say. Take credit for it. And this take was, credit for it. Oh, this was all me. Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Yeah. I think it does interfere completely. Yeah. And I've been creating and collaborating for for years now, and I would be lying if I said that at some point you you definitely feel that personally too, mm-hmm. right? Depending on the project you're working on. But I also can say that now at my stage, mm-hmm. I've completely been able to let that go, and it's because. Again, it's going back to that, like everything happens for a reason thing that mm-hmm. you brought up right off the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, this is my, this is where I am at today. And you can be crossing the finish line before me today, but maybe I'll be there the other day. Does that make sense? Completely. How do you feel about that? Can you let it go? Can I let something else's ego go? You tell me. Yours. You know, can I let my ego go? Yeah, in a creative spot, I can let my ego completely Mm -hmm. go and fade away. But where I get myself into trouble is that I can't let someone else's ego go, right? If someone else... If you see it, you're going to call them out on it? Yeah, and I'm not going to let it. It's not going to... And that's fine. Is it? Yeah. Really? Because... I don't know. It's not a sign of a real collaborator, right? Because if you're a real collaborator, then what you can do is you can deal with whatever you're thrown, Mm -hmm. right? You, You can take whatever someone gives you... And you can add on that and you can, whether it's positive or negative or whatever, but you're able it, to work in a group. Isn't it more of a, hey guys, let's just like, let's, let's go in this, let's get into this together. That's how I think of it as calling somebody out. I think that's my, uh, going back to the signs, like mm-hmm. the Zodiac signs, that's the Aries in me, where yeah. when I find someone who wants to lock horns, then all I want to do <laughs> is lock horns with them back. Right? I just, and I used to joke with one of my best friends when I was a teenager that were like, how dumb are these animals mm-hmm. that they line up across the field and just run at each other and bash heads? Mm-hmm. But that's totally so what like, I do. But I'm like, that's that exactly what I want to do <laughs> when someone kind of like lowers their head and scuffs their feet against the dirt. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing because that's what I have to do. You brought up everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Here's an interesting point of difference between us. Okay. Because I believe you have to find the reason in which everything happened. Like Does, looking back? As in, you give, you, you find, you look at everything that happened and you ask yourself, what can I learn from this and what can I take away? Yeah. Not that it actually happened with reason, no, but you have to learn the lesson walking out of it. Yeah. And I feel that as you, well, I, okay, this is speaking from experience. As I get older, mm-hmm. I know exactly why stuff happens without even having to think about it as much. But that's going through lessons learned. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know everything happens for a reason, plus comes with, you know, the little package of, of lessons and all that kind of fun stuff. A creative force in the industry. Just... It honestly calms me down. Hmm. You know, the entertainment world, so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. The creative world, so unpredictable. Thinking that way has helped me successfully Navigate. get through without right. a breakdown every other day. Oh. <laughs> no, it's not uh, that bad, but you know what I mean? I don't, the audition process is the most ridiculous process I've ever seen on the face of the planet mm-hmm. for two reasons. First of all, I don't feel like anyone really pays attention to you when you've just sweated for the last 24 hours in order to get into that audition. And second of all, I'm pretty sure they've made their mind up before we even open our mouth. Completely. Sometimes that's it. Sometimes they're, they're like, okay, thank you. 
We, like, okay, great. <laughs> sometimes you need someone who looks 42 and could have two kids and whatever. Like they have a look in their head, probably based on something that they've seen in some other piece of work, right? And so really all they need is headshots almost, it feels like. You come in for, for an interview and they're like, no, you don't look like a this. No, you don't look like a that. Yeah, or no, no you don't look like your headshot. <laughs> no, you know, you don't look like your headshot. I am oh, yeah, the no, king. I am the king of having headshots that don't want to look like me at all. I'm the typical Instagram model type where I only keep the photos that don't look anything like me because I'm so happy with how they turn out. That's funny. When I was six, trying to remember what year that was, when I was six, I watched a movie about a man and his dog, and it's called Turner and Hooch. Mm -hmm. And it was Tom Hanks on screen. And at that point... I knew, even though I didn't end up pursuing acting, I kind of went down the acting road a couple yeah, you times. Talent, definitely. Well, I went. Yeah, I went. I did theater for a couple of years. You wore heels. I wore heels once. Wore theater. Hashtag for theater. I wore a dress for theater. <laughs> Someone asked me the other day if I ever cross dressed. I'm like, well, half. I'm halfway there. I just didn't walk in public at it. Does this count? I think it does. But I can point to a source of inspiration, and it was that movie, and it was a few others around it. But that's what I always went back to. And I said, this is... That's what made you want to. This is what made me want to... Create. I call it create because... It is create. You do it... Like, I mean, you have so many different outlets, but you... So do you create... Do you feel when you put on a personality, are you creating? Is it the same outlet as creating? Or is it... Yeah, acting. Is it... Acting? Yeah. Are you creating? Oh, see? To me, it's hiding. You're telling a story. I don't think it's hiding. Oh, I, I hit an acting all the time on purpose. Right, and I think there's you felt safer in a character than complete, you did as yourself. Completely. So you can consider that hiding. I was sure. wearing a mask, and I was really happy to wear a mask. But at the same time, a little bit. That, that's why I say actors are so effed up because yeah. in every role, a little bit of you comes out. That's the only way it's authentic. So when there's like you have to relate to something. Like I'm saying this line, uh-huh. and I'm thinking about something that I've gone mm, through, tell me. so that it comes across. Authentically. Right. Does that make sense? Yep, completely. And sometimes, like, I don't know. I'm going to get the weird part, but, like, it's a hide to tap into those areas completely. that you haven't shared with anybody else and that, that are hidden. And you have to be – a good actor is willing to go there. See, I'm way more method than I am – what do you call it? Not experiential. There's a phrase – there's a term behind it when you tap into the, the pain, and I forget what it is. I am way more method. Well, I will way rather you just – You don't want to tap into the pain. I will just be the character, mm-hmm. and I'll live the character for X amount of time mm-hmm. and speak in the voice that he speaks in and address things the way he'll address it. So I feel like I'm putting him on like a cloak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wearing him around and everything I do just to understand him rather than try to find the me in him because and maybe that's why it's really easy to find the you in them. But like, maybe that's why I got ahead of it. Lines, you're like, whoa, yep. But maybe that's why I never pursued acting mm-hmm. was because that idea scared me way too much. Yeah. I had a really hard time going from acting to hosting, being myself, trusting that hmm. I, myself was enough and mm-hmm. not being a character. Are you a character of yourself when you're hosting? Do you feel? Um, I think. I don't know if I'm a character of myself. I think different parts of Cat come out in different in the different things I do. Mm-hmm. Like because every role I have needs something different. Like mm-hmm. in game hosting, it's like the over the top, the cheerleader in me right. is still there. Like can we get me. can we get a sample? No, come on, <laughs> do it. I don't know. Bring it. What, what what am I doing right now? It's just mm-hmm. different. It's a different. 
but just presence mm-hmm. even, right? Like it's, it's high energy from mm-hmm. like head to toe, more animated. Mm-hmm. I pronounce my words more. Mm, heavy on the enunciation. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like a, like a happy, a very, very happy cat. <laughs> yes. I'm so happy to be here at the Raptors game today, guys. Thank you. And welcome to Air Canada Center. Like, it's just like that next level. And that's why I'm like so low after games, like that energy. And doing that right now, what, when I asked you to do it and then I realized, is it hard to do it when you're not in the environment? Does the environment feed you as yeah, much well, as you, you feed it? Did you see my reaction? Yeah. You're like, you're not going to make me do yeah. this right now. Are you now. seriously yeah. going to make me do so, that? Well, yeah. Like we talked, like we talked about it on the way over, right over yeah. here. You know, you feel you. I could go to work and be like, oh no, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Like you know, yeah. Like it was a two hour sleep last night because I was prepping for this and that and that and that. And the minute like that mic turns on, it's easy. I love my job too. Like I love the in game aspect. And so, I, like I, I don't. I've never once said, oh, I don't want to go to work. Mm. <laughs> like, and I'm very grateful to have found that feeling. But yeah, no, the mic goes on and you're just like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah, but then again, it's so NBA TV Canada, mm-hmm. different personality. I find that that's more like of the cat you're talking to now, hosting this, like any show on there. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. On the broadcast desk, again, you're going to change a little bit. You're mm-hmm. going to flavor it differently. And then Raptors Rundown, like the YouTube series, that's like super goof, like a little bit more goofy cat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you see a character difference? In Definitely. I do, but yeah. we've also known each other a really like, long time. Yeah, but it's like, it's me, but I guess I just like put on different hats, different mm-hmm. areas of my personality, mm-hmm. like for each of these roles. Yeah. Interesting point, Clayton. Raptor space, or no, yeah, Raptor space, not Raptor space. Oh my goodness. Raptor space cat. Did I just go there? You just said Raptor space. Holy jumping. Okay. So let's go back eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. When we first met, yeah, yeah, uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment mm-hmm. has had their various television channels. They still <laughs> do have some of them. There was Leaf Space, which was kind of user-generated content, which I was one of the users generating on the you Leaf were. side. Yep. And it was curated by hosts. And on the Raptors side, Raptors, how did I go to Raptors Space Cat in my head? I can't, I wanted to say Raptors Rundown. It's still attached though. Like, it must have been that catchy because I'll see people I haven't seen in like four years and they'll be like, yo, Raptors Space Cat. Cat. That's (laughs) when Sweets was here a few weeks ago, Dwayne Watson, he was like, for the first time, I had to call you by your name because I only knew he was Chancellor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's who was like, hey, what's going on? And I spent a year. Doing a couple in-game hits. Do you remember that? I, I do, yeah. In a very smaller game, a smaller arena. Marley's. I was at Marley's. Yeah. But it was so, it's so weird, the idea that you get identified by something that actually ends up being, it's you in a sense, as you said, it's it's a button you're pers- pushing in your personality, mm-hmm. but it's also like a title and a mask and a person that mm-hmm. you're playing. Because mm-hmm. Raptor Space Cat was this Raptor Space Cat. It was this section of yourself. Yeah. Every single time people saw you. And like when we spoke in person, I don't know if you'd necessarily see that and no. that whole side of me. Which is, it's, you have to, okay, you said so after a game, yeah. you feel the energy go. Yeah. <laughs> in a weird way, do you have to wash yourself off? Like, do you have to wash in-game cat off? Do you have to, when you get out of rundown and yeah. you, you have to switch gears into something else, is Rather there? I don't feel it as much. No? Like the Rockers run down. No. I feel like I'm more like, yo, this is me. And especially now, we've, we've changed it a little bit. Like, the show has grown. Mm-hmm. And changed to match how I've grown and changed as a right. human. And four years makes a difference. Like I legit Is it four feel, years? Are you yeah. on year four? Like I legit feel Holy I know that that's 
how it's changed. Right. Like, I'm like, oh, it makes sense because I've changed so much. Right. Like, and I know how I've changed. So this is why this is changing, like, in the mm. show. Because I've got a lot of, like, like hands on it. <clears throat> Not just as talent. So after a game, if we're, like, going to celebrate a win or if there's a birthday party or something that... Um, I go, I have to go home for mm. like half an hour and just like decompress mm-hmm. and just whew, and sit in silence. I don't even turn my television on, usually like catch up on Twitter or something. But it's like, yeah, that's how I kind of repair myself after that high, which is not like repairing sounds so. No, nah, like, it's, it, it's like it's, I lose a lot. You're kind of shedding. Yeah. You're, you're shedding. Refueling. Refueling. The soul. Maybe that's the one. Yeah. How was you brought up catching up on Twitter when both of us kind of came into roughly the spots we're in now mm-hmm. i feel it was the dawn of the twitter age really yeah i know because i remember spring 2009 like, let's go on twitter i'm like what the who let's yeah you want me to sign up for a what <laughs> and my name's gonna be what raptor space cat raptor space cat <laughs> like, which actually that's a perfect. very overwhelming day no. <laughs> how have you felt social media add to and change and and how is it incorporated in your brand in your day-to-day life yeah well i think it used to be more news Right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what we would share. But now it's like as much as I use it for, you know, raptors and such, I use it to brand myself. Social media has led me to some wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do without it. Like it sounds so funny, but like every day there's opportunities that have come that come up from it. And it's, in, it's a platform to, again, create and uh, expose what you want to share with the world if like in a way that you can't another like there's no other way to do it like that this is weird for me we haven't laughed once really yes we have since when since when are we have a conversation this long where we like barely laugh we're talking about something silly so the first time we met you're sitting on a chair <laughs> now you make me feel inside, like i should be inside weird. the 307 studios and i had no no that's a lie remember i told you the story about the first time we met say it again Let's so we're at uh real sports apparel it was the night of a Raptors game. You were still... Was this when it was like in Maple Leaf Square? Like the old one? Yeah. Yeah, old, old Real, yeah. Spa- uh, Real Sports Apparel. It would have been close to opening, I think. Real Sports Bar and Grill had just opened. And part of your duties pre-game, when you were part... When you're oh captain the dance pack... Was to be over there. Was to be on the other side. Photos. And we were introduced by someone we were both working with at the time. I remember this. And in the nice of ways, you wear a costume, right? You wear, well, when you're part of the dance pack, you're in yeah, costume. you wear a costume. Right? You wear a costume. And knee-high boots. boots. Knee-high boots with extremely <laughs> high heels. So you are naturally a tall person. Yes, I'm 5'8". Five 5'8". Eight. Five eight. Then you put heels on. Like six feet. And then your hair has this great bounce and presence well, of its own. Well, that's a character there too, Clayton. A little bit. Completely. Yeah. But that's who I met the first time. Yes. Yes. And then the second time, and the only reason why I bring it up is because the second time we met. Was at 307. 307 Lakeshore Studios. You're in ripped jeans, cross-legged <laughs> on a big comfy chair. Yeah. Pretty sure you're wearing this wicked gray toque, as we Probably. call it in Canada. That's, that's, Beanie, as they call it in the States. Yeah, that's cat there. And there I got to see someone without the costume on anymore. Mm-hmm. And we sat down, and I have no idea what we talked about. I feel like, oddly enough, and this sounds totally like us, that's why I think it's real. Okay. I feel like we discussed a dream. And I don't know if it was your dream or my dream, but it's like, yo, I had this dream last (laughs) night. 
what does it mean? Like one of those oh, kind yeah. of conversations. Well, that sounds like something I would say for sure. Totally. And that's how we, that's how it started way back in, I'm going to say 2009. Oh my goodness. No, eight years. saying years. <laughs> does it, it's going to be a podcast about our friendship. We're going to document it year by year. No, eight years, oddly enough, seems short to me. Like yeah. it seems like it doesn't. But think about the things that have happened. Personally, professionally, both. Yeah, all of it. Because that's what we always talk about everything, right? Right. Like it's, it's been a wild ride. It's also like the, the lifestyle we choose and the industry we choose and like it's going to come with those fun, wild, crazy, stab in the heart type moments. of moments. Yeah. yeah. And those times when your professional life leak over into your personal life. Yeah, which happens. At, which happens Often. not just – people say don't take work home with you. Mm-hmm. Is it really possible in this – in this industry? Uh, when you say take work home with you. You have the emotional. Work? Because no. <laughs> no, yeah, actual work. You work 24 I mean the emotional weight that work, uh, that our business pushes on you. Is it impossible to, to shed that? To shed that before you walk in the door? I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible. Okay. Not at all. I thought that was, you were looking at right? me like that no, was no, really no. like. I'm curious. I was like, what? <laughs> Because when people say don't take work home with you, it's like don't bring your personal life to work, which means if you had a fight with your girlfriend, don't bring it into the office and be all cranky because, you know, your morning went terribly. So when you don't not bring work home with you means don't let the emotional impact of work pour into your personal life. But I feel all I do is let the emotional impact of my work pour into my personal life. Yes. And emotional doesn't necessarily mean negative. No, not at all. positive too. So Completely. then it could cater to it in either way. Speaking from somebody that exposes herself to the world mm-hmm. on a daily basis, mm-hmm. uh, your heart and soul is in this, right? And no, I, I, I don't want to tar- I don't want to turn it off. If I wanted to turn it off, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You're Work is almost a part of you, part of me, part of us. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I don't think that everybody can say that. Because I know people that literally 5 p.m. hits and they're out the door and they don't think about work till they get back there at 8 a.m. the next day. To me, that's so, that's just, I've never experienced that. What is that world? Like, what is that world? Work almost doesn't start till 6 p.m., it feels like, in a weird way. During the day, well, during I like the daytime you, hours. Like, my creative, my creativity peaks in the evenings. Big like, I'm that one that's up at 2 a.m. and I'm like, this, this piece of writing is yeah. this shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, my brain is full. <laughs> How is it everyone it, here to just understand it? If I did it at noon, like, I'd be like, struggles for... Completely. Four hours. That's yeah. why I think I dedicate the daylight hours to what I call the paperwork of my job. Yeah, completely. Which I, is I can, just... I can relate to that, yeah. Meeting and, people, I, doing lunches, filling out forms, doing planning, Well, blah, I do blah, a lot blah, of like on-camera work at that time, but a lot of the work that leads up to being on camera is done when the sun dips. Right. It just... I just... That's my zone. What have you been allowed to do or what has been presented to you? Because you bring up a a lot of the preparation work you Mm do. I've always liked how much control you've had into the creative process. Okay. But that happens before you go on camera. And, and. Yeah, I've been very lucky, like at MLSE to have that control. And so you talk about the night hours Mm -hmm. and and the time where the creativity is alive. And that's where you get to. Uh, plan for what's going to be in whatever you're shooting the next mm-hmm. day. What does that planning entail? Like, well, what are some of those exercises you go through or, or duties you have to fulfill that it's a lot you of, like, I mean, writing, right. Yeah. And like laying out episodes. Like, like I said, I have my hands in the Raptors run down a lot. That's, I give that example because I think that's where I have um, the most mm-hmm. kind of creative say in um, it's, it's the writing part. It's, it's the, it's the wordplay. It's, you know, mapping out, 
what's going to happen in this scene. And, and, and I, re- I really enjoy that part of it too. It, it's weird to me to just like be handed a script and, and I was like, well, no, read it. <laughs> You're like, you know what I mean? Read it. But when I started, that's all I was comfortable with. Right. Like, give me a script. I will say it back word for word. Mm-hmm. And then like I had, I had a really hard time just like ad-libbing at first because mm. I, I, as an actor, you're given a script and if you mess up, you start again and you do it again. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I can go off script and just like run with cat. it? That was right. really hard for me to just be cat. So that's something I really struggled with. What was an inspiration for you as little cat? As your Kasha, Cash, Catherine? An inspiration. What was an inspiration that, that motivated you to pursue something like this because the odds I, I liken it to almost like an athlete yeah. in the sense that the odds of making a successful, we talked about this many times, the odds of making a success out of a career in the entertainment industry uh, are almost infinitesimal. <laughs> I'm so mean. I'm like, ha ha <laughs> <laughs> fun. It's yeah. hard because you always have to be changing and adapting. It's not like you can get a job and work at it for 25 years and get a healthy pension yeah, at right. the end. You are always changing and adapting. And then there's a certain point, maybe like around the 10 year mark, when now you look behind you and there's women 10 years younger than you chasing your, your tail for the same positions, right? So like it's, there's a lot in the industry that you have to consider. And, and I like the, I'm sitting here going, why did I do this? No. This was a bad idea. I think part of it is the fact that you don't plan on it. You don't, if you're like me, you're like, I plan on doing this until I want to do something else. You plan, right? And I do, but I didn't plan this. No, me either. People go, how are you here? And I go, oh, I, some days I don't know. Like seriously, like it was, and it was trusting the process. Like it really was just knowing that I didn't want to do anything else but this mm-hmm. and I was gonna and make it happen like you know what I mean you said you're gonna swear you lied I know you're not, was, you don't feel comfortable me. yet no I've sworn but like, uh, I have, like, a we'll see <laughs> I have I have a range I need to save for the good for the, the good uh, moments that I always I say that I earn my explicit take every single week on this yeah. happily like I earn that well yeah no beside well, it because I like, want it like in front of you right here <laughs> that was meant to be because I fucking wanted it. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Uh, come over yeah. the dark side. We have cookies here. So is it the for me? It was the idea of I'm going to do this until I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And the idea of not doing it anymore never came. Well, and that's when people ask. Okay, so what's your next big step? What's your next big goal? Right. What is your next big step? No. <laughs> I, I, you heard I it here first. I actually hate that because every like it changes on the weekly mm-hmm. as a creative soul. You have, like, for me, it's that one, like, I, it's giving back to people. And I know it sounds so lame of making other people happy. And I swear to you, I've said that since day one, since I was asked that 10 years ago. And I still say it. And maybe it makes me kind of like, oh, cringe mm-hmm. a bit because I was just like, oh, okay, he saves all the time. But it's the truth. Like, I always go back to it. And again, like, as a creative type that needs to create and create and create every week it changes like yesterday i was like damn i want to write and like have it professionally like published not necessarily a book yet but like in a magazine there's something different but that's not what i want to do as my next like career move you know what i mean where do you see yourself in five years i have no idea i have no idea creating and storytelling i could be here i could be across the world I could be not hosting anymore, right? Where did the... What was your first memory of wanting to create? I put on a play for my parents. Actually, no. I'll go even before that. I used to love creating analogies. 
as weird as dorky as that sounds, I love the idea of being like, you know, this pasta is to my tongue like the sun is on a hot sun. Right. Maybe not like, like but that's, and I would literally sit in my room or I'd be in the backseat of the car and I'd be like, oh, the window is to my eye. As I don't know, I can't think of a good one now. I lost that art apparently, but that's that. I think was my first inclination that I wanted to storytell was this idea that I wanted to relate. But you had no idea what storytelling was. No, what was I doing? Right, Right. completely. I don't know what I was doing. I I think it just sounded smart. That's why I wanted to do. I wanted to relate. That's what it was. I think I wanted someone to understand me Mm -hmm. and understand exactly what I was thinking in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it started for me. Yeah, I mean, I grew up again. I started dancing at six years old. But before that, like, it was common. Like, if we had a family get-together, all the cousins were in the basement putting together the best show ever. <laughs> like, seriously, like, writing it and setting the lights up and having the costumes. And then our parents would come down and watch it. So that was that's what I think of when, when I think of, like, the first stages of creating. I started writing very young. I started writing, like, in a diary at, like nine years old me too yeah Yeah. and when i think that i was like this is where it really started like like that writing part wanting to put it down on paper and like the amount of journals i've like filled over the years Mm -hmm. and and it's so cool to go back i i found one i was moving and i found one three from three four years ago Mm -hmm. and some of the words i was like i don't recognize myself Mm. it's just wild how you you hear something wild Mm -hmm. here's something i've never admitted before okay Clay confession coming up. Mm-hmm. I lied a lot of my journals. As interesting that as that is, I was in a way telling my story as how I wanted it to be remembered, yeah. not how it actually and happened. You facing the, the I was that not, you wanted, didn't want to deal with. And it's interesting because your journal is your safe place. Completely your safe because no one knows what's in there. Yeah. No one. No one reads it. But no you one. Didn't want to face. I didn't want to. Going but again, if we start with the idea of creating these analogies and I want to create these little bits that I could say to people that is creating a story. That's taking something that happens to you in real life mm-hmm. and saying, what's the fantastical side to this? How would this be portrayed okay, so in a coming of age story in that, even though I wasn't thinking it at the time, I've always th- seen life through kind of that lens mm-hmm. where it is, how could I tell this story in a way that would be funny? How could I tell this story in a way that would be dramatic? What had to happen? Imagine this person said that. It would have completely changed everything that happened so and it would make people both laugh and cry at the same time. So you even like smothered that on your life. I complete. I smothered that into my life. <laughs> and I think it, it, that came out in my original creative writing, which was my diary. Yeah. And then shortly after... But it's interesting that your head automatically went to that place. Completely. And it's... it's like you're uh, not telling what happened today. Like today I went no. to school, I fell off my bike. Oh. What's really <laughs> weird is I can read it and remember what actually happened. Yeah. Wow. If I, okay. if I look back, I can yeah. read it and I know I remember writing it mm-hmm. and the story I came up with. And I also remember what really happened. But shortly after that, so I was 10 years old, I think nine or 10 when I started writing in a diary. And then I was 11 or 12 when I started writing short stories. Ooh, yeah. I used to love writing short stories. Love short stories. That was my favorite part of school. They'd be, you know, single lined, both sides of the page, Mm -hmm. 14 to 18 pages. And my mom still has some of them. Yeah, same. 
And I think a lot of them kind of fell in this Hardy Boys meets Nancy Drew Mm -hmm. kind of, we were always solving something. I was influenced by a lot of the things in the early nineties. Like in one of them, I remember we all drove Dodge Vipers because, Hey, that was a cool thing to do. Uh, I remember a handful of them happening on uh, Vancouver Island, like in Victoria, in a place I had never never been, been. but I I had just imagined what it must be like to live on an island in a place that it doesn't really snow because snow and bad weather is something we had to face all the time. But shortly after, shortly after my diary writing had started, within a year or two, I moved to short stories. And then as I enter my teens, I moved to factual write. Like I, I would, I was published at eighteen. You're a very good writer. The first, well, that's nice of you to say. Well, yeah, you share stuff with me, and I enjoy reading it. It all kind of feels the same, though. Oddly enough, it it all sounds like, oh, this is how I'd say it. Mm-hmm. I think. I think my next goal is to, how would I write as you? You still write. Yeah, I just wrote a script today, like a script, quote unquote. Like was it's the for last time you wrote before today? S- Sunday night. Oh, okay. Yeah, I write all the time. Because I find like, I have to, like, I go through waves. I'd say. And as you say, you would hide that that part of you, like that yeah. you would you would lie to your, to your pages mm-hmm. because you didn't want to face something. I think I just don't put pen to paper. Interesting. In yeah. I now... So I've, we've shared a lot of creative writing back and mm-hmm. forth. Uh, we both kept public anonymous journals. Yes, we did. Yeah. Which was such a freeing. I don't know why I ever stopped. It was so freeing for me. I was mad. I can't find my site anymore. Oh. I tried the other day. But what I found in that, that was then, that was almost the next step to my journal writing yes. in the sense that I no longer had to lie, but I always, um, I don't say fantasized, mm-hmm. but I took something that actually happened in reality and then I wove this story of how I would tell it in a script. And would, would you get a high from knowing people are reading? Of course. Some of the stuff that of, of is course. true. See, and that's another that's another thing. That's how, going back to the acting side, yeah. right? Like it's a high of showing. To me, that's that related. You're vulnerable and and that I don't know. Oh, it was just relating that someone can. Okay. I can use my words in a way mm-hmm. that someone can then see it in my eyes. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't. And for me, it's more like shedding the layers and like right. showcasing a side of like the vulnerable side. Right. Like I get a high from that. It's weird. Hmm. It might be weird. It's completely that's weird. that's why I'm I love it. an actor. <laughs> right? It's completely weird. Yeah. Have you wanted to get back into acting? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I crave it. I do. But. Is it just, is it about balance that you want to, you like, don't take the wrong way, playing the host, mm-hmm. but then you also want to play a character so you can kind of it's balance just, out the you and di- someone else? No, it's not even balance. It's just like they're different outlets. Mm-hmm. And I have a restless soul. Like I just, I, I want to do it all. I crave putting my energy into creating a, the character work mm-hmm. again. But then the next week I crave putting my energy into something else like, like writing or yeah, I don't even know the list goes on. So we saw the entertainment industry has, I would say in the probably 18 months or two past two years, uh, had a lot of things brought to light. And we recently think of uh, the news that came about Harvey Weinstein and then several, several other big name uh, players in the entertainment industry, several including local agents, players in local players as well. That actually, we think of what happened with Gina Gomeshi mm-hmm. at the CBC. And I don't want to say that kickstarted things, but that happened before the Fox and Fox Sports firings happened, yep. which then the allegations there led to people opening other doors. Mm-hmm. And we saw it then now string through Hollywood. The Me Too campaign, if you want to call it a campaign or just a movement or just a recognition of how widespread this is, has affected me in a really interesting way. Okay. And that's because... Tell me about it. First of all... As a, 
as a male. As a male in the industry, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's why I want to say interesting mm-hmm. because I relate to it in a different way. And I think growing up, you know, having spent, ugh, I don't want to date myself, more than 15 years in TV now, wow. you hear a lot of stories of like, oh, old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. In old Hollywood, things were like this and these kind of things happen. But there was never a recognition of a time where that actually stopped. No. It's like everyone blamed the past and said, oh, that was the way they used to do it. How mm-hmm. foolish were they? They stopped talking about it. They just stopped talking about it because old Hollywood is now actually new Hollywood. Yes. And you're affecting people who are currently in business if you talk about them. Mm-hmm. What are your impressions on seeing so many share stories and, and and taking it, or just simply saying me too, just in recognition of the fact that they too have felt imposed upon? Uh, <laughs> I wrote a post about it on Instagram. Uh, it's still a touchy subject for me. So um, uh, where do I start? Like I remember opening my laptop at work and, and just like seeing all these hashtags. And so obviously you're going to go check it out a little bit deeper because I'm like, what is this? What is, what's going on? And I literally felt sick to my stomach. Like I had to close my laptop. I shared my words on Instagram about it. And it wasn't hard for me. That's the thing. But I think that's maturing as a person mm-hmm. um, where I'm like, this is, this is me. This is who I am. These are the things I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I can take, like say them to you so that you can take something away from it. And the feedback I got has been ongoing for like two weeks anyways that's not the point <laughs> um the the, the me too yeah i've definitely de- dealt with harassment in the industry um not to the point that these other stories have you know taken people to and and in this post i said you know some people said when i got into this type of field um my career choice put me in the line of fire sure being a dance professional dancer in the nba um being an actor being a public figure where you're judged on a daily basis um, yeah, I've been stung hard um, by words and physical actions, too. Um, even at a, at a game. That's honestly when I knew I was, like, done with the dance pack. Because, unfortunately, I'm not saying everybody. These girls do get a lot of respect, but not by everyone. So I've had hands put on me at, a, at the arena, thinking that it's okay because I'm wearing, like, a dance pack costume. It's so sad how people don't realize like how scarred you are. Like it, it hangs on to you. What gave you the right to, to touch me like that or kiss me like that? Like I swear it, it got this, it's gotten that bad, right? So yeah, I definitely relate. Um, thankfully I got thick skin. <laughs> I've never been afraid to talk about it. It's just that now there's the, the rest of the world really, yeah. isn't afraid to talk about it. Completely. And there's a platform for it. So um, does that kind of, what you wanted to get out of it? I don't have to get anything out of uh, it. I just wanted to hear your side yeah, of it because it, it affects sucks. me. It I've, sucks a lot. We've been like even like not even the industry, Clay. Like going out to the bar and like you know, the cat calls walking down Young Street. Like really? Yeah. Like I, I I've never understood. I've never understood. Ugh. <laughs> we interpret it in very different ways, and and why I find your viewpoint interesting mm-hmm. is because we've walked hand in hand in this industry. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot together. Yeah, we have. And yet there can be a singular event Mm -hmm. that now brings out just that idea that I don't relate to you. Yeah, completely. And that's, and I think that's what the whole purpose maybe of my life is definitely of this podcast that all I want to do is relate to you. And then in that way we end up relating to other people and it kind of shocks me. And that's why I felt you were the perfect person. First of all, because we have a longstanding friendship. I hope. 
Still, uh, yes, did I lose you? Yeah. Am I not invited to Christmas dinner? You've never had your ass grabbed by a fan in the 300 level. I have never had my ass grabbed by a fan. <laughs> I've never been catcalled. Yeah, I, 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 I laugh just because it's it's kind of like just shaking off the the stuff that's still stuck to me, you know, from mm-hmm. it. Like it's just it's not right. And I, I say to the girls now, like anytime I see any of those girls like getting hassled, I'm like. Let's get, we're getting a security guard right now and this guy's out of here. Yeah. It's just not, it's not okay. It's not okay. How do you have that? Like, how do you, how, how do you have that in your soul where you're like, this is what I'm going to do right now and I'm going to be okay with it. Ugh. I, again, I can't relate. I can't relate to you and I can't relate to them. What shocks me, speaking as a male, mm-hmm. is first the, the ability to do it because I, I am... In all, if you look through my dating history, I am timid no, as can be. I am, I am like super, super shy when it comes to anything. But like, how physical how person are you okay with? But then, how do you go and justify it? That's my problem. Yeah. My problem is even if you say, "Well, okay, I admit I have a problem." Fuck you. You can't just get off by saying sorry. You can't like it's messed up, and it's the excuses we we hear. And you had brought one up. Well, you know, when you chose this industry, you put yourself in the line of fire. Yeah, that's what and you, you go, tell me. Like more than one person's told me that. No, so, when I joined uh, this industry, have to deal with it, which is true. Okay, fine. I put myself in the line of fire, but why is that? Why to be rejected for jobs, though? <laughs> yeah, you put exactly. yourself in the line of fire to be rejected for jobs. Yeah. Not to be manhandled yeah. or catcalled yeah. or whistled at. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think women deal with that in general, no matter what like industry they're in. Unfortunately. I also don't think it's just women. That's why if you read this post on Instagram, I never once said as a woman, as a woman, like use that. It was very like open to like both genders. So um, I just really think it's a problem. I've had this weird um, need, I think this week, mm-hmm. if you ask any of the people that have worked with side, I've had this weird need this week to delve into deep issues. It's like, I don't have it enough in my life at the moment. So I like, <laughs> I really need to go open okay, these cans of worms. No, I'm just curious. I, I see a tie. Yeah, we are kind of going deeper. Okay. I see a tie. You can draw a line between what's going on in the United States, first and foremost, racially, with the same kind of attitudes that's going on uh, when dealing with the workplace and inappropriate passes at coworkers or just how you deal with people. That's what this whole Harvey Weinstein bit has really continued to. Isn't it wild how so many people kept their mouths closed? I think it's scary. Yeah. I, I don't. I think it's. You can't go up against your boss. It's real. Why? Because especially you live in LA that costs a certain amount of money and your decently paying job is barely paying for the apartment that you rent. I can only imagine people being scared. Mm -hmm. But I see this tie where there almost has become an acceptance that this is the way it's going to be. And we see it, I believe, in the racial tensions that have come back to light and now we see it in sexual tensions or yeah. that's the wrong sexual tension is the wrong word but uh the tensions between men and women mm-hmm. that there can't be this acceptance of this is the way it's going to be mm-hmm. that's not what change is no i don't think people are accepting it now mm, i hope they're not accepting it mm-hmm. this whole like sexual harassment thing i don't know if you read an article there was a great article on hunting huffington post huffington post yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the one i meant and it just looked at it from a different perspective where you know, they put it out there like 19 women were raped this month. Why isn't it 19 men raped women this month? Interesting. You should read it. It's very, very mm. interesting. It's all on the women, all the stats. It's the women. It has nothing to do with the men mm-hmm. in the picture, even though technically who's that wrong? 
right? It's and it's it's put down in statistically that it's the woman that was raped and not interesting the, the male the, the attacker. Yeah. I uh, I'm a big fan of television, as you know. We talk, really, really, I we talk about notice. it all the time. And what I've found, especially in the, the last couple of years, while watching especially older programs, really pick it. We can do it with older programs because we've seen the social developments that happened during that time, and then we watch it in ways. Uh, inseminate the programs that we watch and and see how they deal with it. Not to oversimplify, but Law & Order is uh, Dick Wolf, what he did with the Law & Order series and continues to do with the Law & Order series. I think it's unbelievable. But what he did with the Special Victims Unit, kind of offshoot of Law & Order, that I found really interesting is it seemed like at least once a season, they dealt with sexual harassment cases that happen on campus. Mm-hmm. And there was always this victimization of the victim. And I think that speaks to what you were saying as to the the post and this ability to excuse the actions Mm -hmm. of the offending party, of the guilty party. And I always found it interesting that they often drew off stories that were floating around, even though names and, you know, but the real life stories stories that they then want to delve into. And although more often than not, in a television fictionalized program, they did not succeed because society as a whole wanted to protect the guilty party and victimize the victim. I was always impressed at the fact they felt the need to continually bring it up in their story arc and remind people this is a problem, remind people this is a problem, remind people this is a problem. And we look at a serialized television show and you can say what you want about it. You may have loved it, may have hated it. Me, I like to think Olivia Benson and I would have been pals. <laughs> But I appreciate the stones that can exist in our industry Mm -hmm. of people who want to bring issues to light Mm -hmm. that need to be dealt with. I appreciate it. Socially. And I think it's just, it's becoming more like a way of life. Like think of all the things that you would never talk about even five years ago. And I'm not saying like just what we're talking about right now, but even things like meditation. Mm Mm-hmm. You were you didn't say that you meditated before bed. No. That was a convers- like topic of conversation. Um, I think of just the ability to talk to a professional doctor, like a, yeah, a therapist a ther- of any sort. I'm going to my therapist today. Cool, great. It is totally accepted that in today's world, yeah. that many of us need a therapist. Uh-huh. Many many of us uh, suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of the way our veterans have been treated who yeah. have suffered from post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder. The fact that it was even named a disorder in, at all. And it wasn't just, Oh, that person's weak. But don't that person you see can't it more now? completely. Like, don't you feel like people are going, okay. Okay. We have to understand. Yeah. I love it. I wonder, I'm curious to know if it is a symptom of the Western world. Hmm. Because and I've traveled, especially the last that right of, right fi- yeah. You say it? yeah, the last five Hopefully. years of my life, I've traveled Hopefully. a lot more, seen a lot of other ways of doing things, and, and we are a high stress society. Mm-hmm. We talk about it mm-hmm. many, especially when we're wound up. Even when we got in the cab, when we got out of work, yeah, I was I was wound up, mm-hmm. like I could feel it in every nerve of my body, and it's kind of like the pick your poison. That's in a way almost what we sign up for, but it's nice to know that there are outlets, that there are people listening, Bell Let's Talk, yeah. and, and unbelievable just recognition yeah. of, of what depression can do to a person, then to their friends and to their family and how I it can ruin lives. It's okay now. It's okay to talk. It's, and that is an example, but about everything. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, I feel like it makes you as a human 
almost puts you in a better space because mm-hmm. you can just be your fucking self. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And now we're allowed to be ourselves and almost praised for like being authentic and raw mm-hmm. and just showcasing that, you know, we are all, are all in this together. Yeah. I mean, you get that perfection side still of social media, let's be honest. You know, the people that, that don't share the true tales, mm-hmm. that sugarcoat them. Mm-hmm. And personally, I just, I don't relate to that. That's okay. That's not me. Mm-hmm. I, like, and I, I love that you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really, like, I have nothing against that. Um, you do you, I'll do me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's just very interesting to see that, that split more. Completely. I think, and this it's interesting how we come full circle. Mm-hmm. It, in a way, almost ties into our ways in which we choose to storytell. Mm-hmm. I want to relate to people by putting an example of something in a way that I went through, but then also I thought about out there. And, and again, I bend facts when I create a script or I create a story. Mm-hmm. But that is only in an effort to relate more to yeah, more people. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You open up and, I and, and relate. You, you talk about the high you receive when you can you can just be you with people mm-hmm. and then you see the effects of that and whether it's support or just comments or or even something just acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. You don't even really need support need sometimes. Yeah. You just need like, it's nice to see the acknowledgement yeah. that people in a way relate. No, that's what I love the most. The, oh, I really needed to hear that today, Kat. And that is, we're able to storytell, mm-hmm. I think, more than ever and reach more people than ever yeah. before. I think well, when I look at my field and I tell, I meet more than enough students coming out of school that just want to grab lunch and or, yeah, or kind of want to pick yeah. your brain a little bit. Yeah. And I don't want them to ever feel discouraged because you can pick up a, like a quality camera in my field of work or audio gear or an odd light, and you are way under what I was able to purchase it for, mm-hmm. let alone those in the 80s were able to purchase it for, our ability to then create our stories and share them in a way that expresses ourself and gets something off our chest. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about this whole time. Is so bigger be than real. ever like before. As much as you and I both want to contribute as storytellers and creators, it's at the same time helping us out personally. Completely. Yeah. It's therapeutic. Wow. I, uh, I watched this great documentary. I can't remember the name of it off That's the top okay. of my head. But it, it it dealt with the release of the 8mm camera and how uh, basically it was the boom in the New York film scene that happened in the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And they, direct, they, they link it directly to the release of the 8mm camera. And then even to this one store that received by questionable means a bunch of these which they then sold for far under market value and they were already cheap. Okay. And you have all these actors, all these filmmakers that from the late 70s, early 80s that got their hands on this affordable camera and created these pieces of shit. Huh. But you need to create crap in order to create great. You, yes. you, you kind of need to find yourself. It's like refining precious metals. Yeah. But they could draw direct lines from so many different people involved in the film industry to this one camera being released and what it did. And I feel that we're kind of there again where things have become affordable to, and this isn't even eight millimeter film in which you have to splice. Well, first of all, buy film, but then splice it and try to tape it together and buy a projector to show it. Mm -hmm. We, I've seen, I've seen short docs done on an iPhone, which are breathtaking. 
Friggin' fantastic. Toronto has an uh, international iPhone digital festival. I think I'm going to mess yeah, it up. Yeah, something like that. There's so many festivals. They have, an, they have an iPhone digital film fest, yeah. which is unreal, and I'm dying to enter it, actually. Amazing. Where it has to be filmed on an iPhone. Uh, we are lucky in Toronto that we get to see so many. Like, right now, uh, they have the After Dark Film Festival. Film fest. That's right, yeah. Which is all a whack of indie <laughs> horror flicks. And yeah. horror is is this incredible genre for me, not because I like getting the shit scared of me. I really don't. I do. Do you really? <laughs> but that's how we are different. You can, you have seen so many examples of the past of, of a piece of work that's made for nothing. And when we talk in this industry, nothing, it's like $20,000, which is actually no, nothing, nothing in film yeah. to get it distributed. Yep. And then they break out and make, you know, three, four, six hundred thousand dollars and that can launch someone's career right there. We have now, and I can't remember, the. it's the production studio. It's the studio that did Get Out, uh, which I absolutely oh, loved. That, that's a great um, By oh. Jordan Peele. Yeah. Unreal. They play off the numbers game where they finance a whole whack of low-budget horror films. First of all, because it helps people develop. Mm-hmm. But second of all, they know that if one of them breaks, they can cover the slate for the year with the, the returns they get, which is incredible. And I love that ability that's now handed to us in order to just tell a story. What? It's funny. We're going to have to have you back. I'm going to have like, are the we two of us. getting an hour right now? Or way over? An hour plus. An hour plus. Yeah. An hour plus. I know. I feel like this will just be part A. This is part of it. Well, we haven't, I really like, wanted I to, to. But that's what happens when we get together. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been six hours and we haven't <laughs> shut up. I feel like we spent the first 30 minutes getting comfortable with the idea that there's microphones. See, you were uncomfortable. I was. I, I was forgot. Uh, I see. I, I was. Microphones reckon... are like my best friend. It's true. So. It's, it's kind of your it's home. Like, hey, buddy. You know, I took mine out of my holder <laughs> and that changed everything for me because oh, I was able yeah, to lean see. back, which is weird. It's the first time I've done that. <laughs> This has got to be part A. You have to come back. We didn't. I really wanted you. I'd love to keep chatting. I, I really like, wanted I even you have to. have a bunch of stuff that I want to bring up in conversation. Like right so. now? Not right now. You don't want to do it right now? You no, I'm, I'm on that like post-game low right now. I'm oh, yeah? The energy's gone. Over an hour. You're <laughs> if you, I could have told you. What if I told you it was 40 minutes? Then you'd have to go for 20 more. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So much to talk about. We didn't even get to your journey. Um, yeah, well, At all? that's old news, Clay. <laughs> no, it's not old news. People definitely want to hear the journey, but we can save that all for next time. I got one more question for you, though, before you leave. I've been fortunate enough that we've spent a handful of Christmases together. It's kind of the way our friendship has gone. My favorite probably involved Cards Against Humanity. Oh, that's dangerous. And a bunch of the Muppet movies, which yeah, is that's not dangerous. Yeah, house. But I need to know, I'm trying, you know... We're at that time of year where I got to start doing my Christmas planning, my Christmas shopping. Are you asking if you're invited? No, I'm asking what you want. Oh, for Christmas. No, what do you want for Christmas? I'm oh. pretty sure it's, you know, the number one question. When someone saw Cassie Fankovich on the podcast roster, they thought to themselves, I wonder, damn it, what she wants for Christmas. Cash. Well, I just moved. So it's everything house. Related? Housey. So, so this housey. is so sad what I just thought of. Tell but me. like one of those little diffusers that, like the oils that that lets oh. up the oils in the house, the sage. Thing. It kind of like warms it a little bit, and then it Put turns the it into, into uh, like it aerates mist. it, no, it mists it. Yeah, it makes your house smell nice, and it's very therapeutic. And I need some de-stressing. 
I was shooting with lavender. (laughs) I need more. That was my dad's favorite flower. Oh, the lavender. It's a relaxing. I was shooting with a player. So that's not what you wanted to hear. Last week. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Okay. Well, there you go. I was shooting with a player last week and uh, part of it took place in his house. And as I was getting ready for the shoot, someone that I work with on my team was like, you know what? He looks like he smells good. Which I thought was really funny because how does someone look like they smell good? I can see that. I showed up at his place and he was burning incense. Oh, and I'm like, whoa, you burn incense because he's not really the guy I'd expect on a team to burn incense. He's he's one of the young guns. (laughs) I barely have all my boxes put away at home, and I've been there eight years. He's already like well set up and burning incense. He's like, yeah, you know, I like a good smelling house. There you go. Oh yeah, I'm like candle central. Bath and Body Works. Now you know where to go. Cookie candle. Your Toronto Raptors in-game host. That's my final question for you. Help me build a title. I hate that question. What do you do? What do I do? No. Or what do you do? Like, do you like that question? I appreciate when you're talking to like a guy at the bar and he doesn't ask that question for like an hour. Oh, interesting. I hate that that lead lead in. Now, why do you think people? Why do you think people ask it? I think they're lazy. I think they're lazy too. Yes. I think it's an easy thing to bring up. Yeah. That shows, oh, I'm personally interested in you mm-hmm. because I'm asking you what you do for work. Yeah. But because I truly I think. Because I judge you on what you do for work pretty much. That's yeah. how I take it. And I was like. I. And I go the long oh. way around. <laughs> See, I'm going to take the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I have had interest shown in me mm-hmm. because of the title I hold. Completely. So do you want that? I no, of course. Well, See? there was a time in my life. There was a time in my life. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. We've been friends like... for a long time. <laughs> there was a time in my life where it was fun yeah. to be recognized or to receive attention. Oh no, no, not chan- no, no, no. Just as just as things I've directed, things yeah, that I've, uh, I've put together, and then when people ask you what you do, and you're like, oh, you know, I direct a documentary series and blah 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 blah. Now. I don't even like mentioning sports. Yeah. They're like, what do you do? And I say, oh, you know, I work in media. You're like me. That's how I start. And oh, then, I'm in the entertainment field. Oh, so uh, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm in television. Oh, so what do you, well, I, like, it's like, hopefully they get bored. I, I hope they give up. <laughs> I, I hope they realize that I'm trying to brush them off <laughs> because I really don't want to talk about what I do yeah. because it's weird how a title sticks. And it's, that's the thing. Not because I'm not proud of it. Not at all. But because I don't want you to, to continue exactly. your engage, like interest in me for, for, for that. What's the question you get all the time? Oh, can I guess? Mm-hmm. Can I get a pair of free Raptors tickets? <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. I always ask you for free stuff. <sighs> like people? People. Just general. You get, you get friends coming out of the woodwork and saying, yeah. can you get me lease tickets? Yeah. I mean, you can relate, no? Yeah, completely. That's why I'm... And it, it, it's fine. Like, it is what it is. But yeah. my answer is usually no, because yeah. it's very difficult. And, and Not because I don't like you, just because, like, I genuine, genuinely can't. We only get so many asks mm-hmm. a career, mm-hmm. let alone a year. We only get asked so many times for a favor. Mm-hmm. I, I can't go and blow it on less important ones of someone that I haven't seen since grade 12. Well, that's And they the figured out thing. that I... Yeah. Come on. I appreciate playing your contacts, but after... 15 years, I'm not your contact anymore. Oh, well, yeah. I think I'll, that's just, a, I'll that's, just leave it at that's that. That's a warning to all my friends on Facebook. Don't yeah. friend me. You have heard. Yeah, you have heard. Do not reach out to Clay. So what title would you go with then? Just entertainment? I don't know. I really struggle with it, and I really have decided that I need to figure this out. <laughs> In-game host. Toronto Raptors. Digital personality. 
post for NBA TV Canada. You see what I'm saying here? Right. That it kind of gets obnoxious. I know. But if you say host and personality, I guess that's right. Host and personality. This is just getting too, too much about me. This, that was the point. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I don't like I that. I go with, I'm in media. They say, what do you do in media? And I say, I assist in video work. And then they generally leave it alone. You could go the same. I assist in video work? You assist in video work. <laughs> okay. They're not gonna, I'm going to try that. It might be. You should try it. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Catherine Stavankovich, host personality and assistant in video work. <laughs> I love it. We're going to pick this up second time around. We've got to go through your history. (laughs) we got to find out how you got to where you got. That'd be fun. But for right now, I think we got to go find dinner. Yeah, I'm starving. I'm starving. I did enjoy this, so thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're the guest. I know. (laughs) Thank you for having me. That's just how I do things. You're welcome. (laughs) Your check is in the mail. Sage diffuser in the mail. Please do (gasps) me one favor, though. Mm -hmm. Be good to yourself and eat your vegetables. Yes. I came up with that with you, actually. You don't even know. I, yes. Do you know? Did I tell you? That's my. I end every podcast. No, but I. Lo- but I was like, yeah, I, it's familiar for sure. It's, but I didn't. I was like, is this his ending? It's my ending. You're completely. Have to do it again for. Nope. Because I'm here. Uh-uh. Double you want it again? Yeah. So it came from a text message, and I think we were both having a rough week. Yeah. And we we're going back and forth, and you said, "Be good to yourself," and I replied, "You need your vegetables." Eat your vegetables. Amazing. I love it. Bye. Bye.